Welcome everyone to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and in our lives. I'm Lindsay Paris-Lopez, writer for The Raven Review, aspiring peacemaker, and aspiring follower of Jesus. And I'm Adam Erickson, writer at The Raven Review and pastor in the United Church of Christ. This is episode two for the second Sunday in Advent, year A. In this episode, we discuss Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In Jesus Unmasked, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses which obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear, that we may live into the fullest selves that we are as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. How How's are it? you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It is the first snow of the season. Oh, wow. You have snow in Chicago. That's fantastic. How much we, did you get? We do. Just a couple inches. You know, um, this episode will drop in December, so snow might not seem like a big deal to our listeners. But at the time we're recording this, it is the day before Halloween, and this is actually about the time we start to get snow, but I am never, ever ready for it when it first falls. Well, we don't typically get a lot of snow here in Portland, so I'm uh, a little jealous of you right now uh, in October getting some snow, but uh, we, we're we probably not going to get much snow at all this year, so we'll see. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to live in Chicago, and uh, right about the first winter I was there, I was like, I'm done with this snow. Get me mm -hmm. out of here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm. I'm still a Southern girl at heart, and yes. uh, and snow does not hold the excitement that it used to hold when I was a child, and it meant getting out of school. Um, now it rarely means that my children will get out of school, and when they do, it horrifies me rather right? than excites me most yes. of the time. Oh, parenting—it's so fun. Mm -hmm. Good time. So uh, today we're talking about the second Sunday of Advent. Yes, this is the Sunday of peace. This yeah, is, the this first is the Sunday was hope, and now mm -hmm. we're at peace. And then the third is joy, and then love, and then the and then we have the Christ candle. Mm -hmm. There are That's... different different traditions celebrated differently. Like I was looking up this morning, and one has hope, faith, joy peace and uh the christ candle faith gets thrown in there in some traditions mm -hmm. yes i i like faith but um i follow the tradition that um goes hope peace joy and love but i gotta tell you adam i don't see too much peace in these verses today um, oh you don't well you don't you don't like I, being called a brood of vipers yeah, I don't like being among a brood of vipers. No, that doesn't make me feel peaceful inside. That does not bring a sense of calm uh, and relaxation. Speaking of children being home during school when it snows, I could show you a brood of vipers when that happens. Oh, my, my children just get crazy. It's just, 
So there's your brood of vipers. Anyway, shall I read the passage and when we can talk about it? Yes. Why don't okay. you please? All right. So here we go. Matthew chapter three, verses one through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Bab I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hey, Lindsay, peace be with you. Peace be with you, you <laughs> viper. <laughs> How do you like that unquenchable fire? I mean, what a way to end a passage. And hey, um, you know, it's Advent and we're coming into Christmas. That's not a very fun way to celebrate coming into Christmas. It's kind of a downer. Mm. I mean, John the it, Baptist, could you give us a little bit more like uh, peace? What, what does this have to do with peace? I mean, I can think of some things that I, I can think of what this might have to do with peace, but it might take a little while to get there <laughs> because before the fire comes, before the fire that just sets the world ablaze, it can feel very peaceful to some people and not very peaceful to others. Right now, we live in a world that can be very comfy and cozy for those who have who have some wealth, for those who have some degree of power. And it's not necessarily that they spend their lives lording over others, but for those who are comfortable, this can be a very peaceful life. But the problem is that comfort can insulate you from the suffering of the world. And there is a lot of suffering going on at the same time. So while some people feel comfortable, cozy, and peaceful, there is a whole world of other people who do not feel any peace, who live in poverty, who live in the midst of war, who live in the midst of daily struggles that some people just don't see at all. 
And if peace is going to come for these people who are currently suffering, then something momentous needs to happen to shake up the world. And so Jesus is coming to set the world on fire and ultimately bring peace, but it's going to stir some things up. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, part of this is, is the whole language of fire and, yeah, the unquenchable fire and uh, Jesus will have his winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor and the wheat and the chaff. And um, I, we oftentimes like we use this language, fire language to like describe hell. Right. And, you know, it's it's often like, uh, you know, you, these people are going to be uh, in hell and these other people are going to be in heaven. But I think what this is really getting at is like the wheat and the chaff is within all of us. Right. So there are like there are I think even people who like think they're at peace are not really mm -hmm. at peace. <laughs> I think well, that a lot of I think that a lot of people who are um, like well to do and I don't know, uh, they they struggle with um, all of the wheat and the chaff that's within them. And that's stuff that like we need to get burned up from within ourselves. That's what the winnowing fork is about. It's not like a, in the future, uh, you're the unquenchable fire is going to be in the future in the afterlife. It's getting rid of the chaff that's within ourselves so that, uh, our eyes can be opened to what you're talking about. Like the, the suffering in the world and the suffering that's within all of us too. Mm -hmm. I ultimately do believe that because, Really, until we are all at peace, there is a restlessness within us. And I find that there are people who are suffering more than others. But, you know, there are people who are really, really struggling in poverty, sickness. Um, you know, there are people right now who have probably been living okay lives um, who suddenly find themselves in the midst of chaos, you know, just in an instant. But until we are all at peace, none of us can really, really be at peace. And we have built peace for some at the expense of others uh, in a way that leaves us all vulnerable. Uh, it's a way of building peace that is false and the foundation is shaky. And that's the world Jesus is coming into and that's the world that Jesus is going to transform. But transformation takes uprooting and fire. I mean, Jesus is going to set all of our hearts on fire that is not necessarily going to be comfortable or easy, but this is what is being promised right now. It's not some are going to be saved and some are going to be burned. It's this fire is going to touch everyone and everyone will be saved through it. Um, yes. Let's talk about repentance because that's, yeah. that's a big buzzword and a difficult word for us progressives to really to get a handle on mm -hmm. it's often yes. it's often like um moralistic like 
uh, when you, whenever I hear the word repent, it's it, I, my, my mind instantly goes to, man, I've been such a jerk and I need to repent from being a jerk. But, and so then I do, and I ask for forgiveness and then I'm just a jerk again, 15 minutes later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's this constant cycle of, oh, I'm just such a jerk. And I think that repentance is not so moralistic. Repentance comes from the word metanoia, which means change your mind. Yes, it means change your mind. I think when you feel like a jerk, it's really hard to actually repent so that you don't feel like a jerk. I mean, if if you feel guilty about what you have done, that can be good for changing your actions. But if you get into a cycle of, I just feel so guilty, I feel so awful, I'm a horrible person, that really, that's not really a part of repentance that makes repentance much much harder because if you don't have any faith in yourself it's very hard to change your mind to see your own inner goodness and if you don't but if you don't see anything worth changing then you're stuck in another rut you are you know, you don't necessarily see the need for repentance if you don't see any of your flaws either. Um, I don't think it's a matter of seeing yourself as a jerk or as, you know, or as being overly proud. Repentance is not not seeing, you know, it doesn't have to do with either of those binaries. Repentance is about looking at the world in a whole new light and you know, seeing the good within the world, seeing the good within yourself and recognizing how you can enhance that good within yourself and within the world by seeing the world differently. So, yeah, it's interesting that they have to go out to the wilderness to do this. Like usually when you go get a spiritual message from someone, uh, at least growing up, I would have thought that I would have to go to the church building or a temple if I'm in the first century, right? In order to get this kind of a spiritual message, but you have to go out to the, maybe you have to go out to the wilderness in order to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city in order to get away from the messages, the influence that the city keeps telling us that we need to be a certain way and act a certain way and succeed and climb to the top of the ladder. Maybe that's like the the reason that you have to go into the wilderness to repent from getting your identity from that kind of a culture, that kind mm-hmm. of a way of life. Mm-hmm. Jesus went into the wilderness to to be tempted but the other side of that temptation was his reorientation away from all of the things that the world calls us to to want and desire and to find all of his sustenance everything he needed everything he needed for his physical health everything he needed for his mental and spiritual well-being you know it wasn't to be found in the world of competition and rivalry and one-upmanship and measuring yourself against others you know you have to be called away from all of that to recognize that 
God really can provide everything you need. And another way of saying that is to say that you have to be called away from all this rivalry and competition and find that you are still loved because God is love. And and that's very important to remember beyond all of the status seeking and all of the social climbing you are loved for exactly who you are and you're never you're never alone in the wilderness you may feel you may feel lonely you may feel abandoned but the whole point is to recognize that when there's nothing else love is there love is sustaining you and i believe that john the baptist probably found that in the wilderness and Others went to the wilderness to find the same thing. I'm not sure how deeply the message has sunk into John the Baptist, though, when he's when he's saying, you brood of vipers to the people coming to him. So what's up with that? Well, I yeah, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit worthy of repentance. Uh, part of the way uh, that you need to get to peace, I think, is to acknowledge that, yeah, God loves you. And sometimes you act like a brood of vipers, mm -hmm. right? Like it's so easy to say, uh, to say that this is just about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Please don't make an anti-Semitic reading of this text because the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming and they're the example of the Jews during this time. I mean, this is a horrible Christian reading of uh, anti-Semitic reading of this text. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are just as human as anyone else. They're just, this is like, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Sadducee. I'm the one that John the Baptist is talking to here because I have the brood of vipers inside of me too. And the way to get to peace is you have to have somebody acknowledge. You have to have somebody point out to you where your brood of vipers are so that you can open your eyes to it. Because generally we don't want to see the vipers that are within us. We want to be blind to them. Uh, we don't want to see how we participate in um, oppression or whatever uh, and how those broods of vipers are actually damaging to us and to others. I would much rather deny that they're there. So I think part of what John the Baptist is doing is just being upfront and bold and saying, hey, these things exist inside of you and you need to learn how to deal with them. Uh, mm -hmm. Part of the issue with this also is when he says, who warned you from to flee from the wrath to come? Whose wrath is it? Yes. I mean... Automatically we go to, oh, he must be talking about God's wrath. But John the Baptist doesn't say from God's wrath that is to come. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he says who warned you to flee the wrath to come and... I don't know if it's clear that that is what they are intentionally doing. I don't, you know, but if it is, if they are intentionally fleeing wrath, then I think what that means is tensions are building in a world of hierarchy and inequality and there's Roman occupation and we know that at the time of Jesus, there were others who were claiming power, claiming a mantle, um, sometimes claiming the mantle of Messiah, but basically saying, I'm here to lead you out of 
out of this oppression, out of this inequality. I'm here to lead us into liberation through violence. But, you know, even without those particular leaders, when a situation is really tense, um, there is just so much potential for things to boil over. And sometimes it is the people at the top who have the most protection, but it can also be the people at the top who have the most resentment against them. So if they were fleeing wrath to come, they were probably reading the signs of the times of all the dissatisfaction and grief and pain that was about to boil over. But they go out into the wilderness and... At this point, anyway, they're not, you know, John the Baptist calls them a brood of vipers. And I think some really did resent it because he's he's arrested later and then so is Jesus. But some of them, I think, probably did hear his message. The text doesn't say they went away rebuking John for who was he to insult them, you know. Um, It doesn't say what they said, and so I can only assume that they stayed and listened. And he says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. It's not enough just to come out here. It's not enough just to um, say, okay, I'm ready to start a new life. What does that mean? What does that look like? What fruit does it bear? I think... I think for us in our time, I think of the need for reparations because most of us recognize that racism is is evil and stupid. Most of us recognize that, but what fruit will we bear from it? What will we do to really change the system? And I also think about climate change and how children are right now children are leading the leading the world in actually struggling to turn the tide of climate change and i feel called to heed the warnings all around me and try to think of what fruit can i bear that really is worthy of a real change of mind one of my daughter's friends, by the way, is dressing as Greta Thunberg oh, for nice. Halloween. And uh, really just just seeing her in her costume was just kind of a wake-up call. I asked her to explain to my daughter who Greta was. And she said, you know, Greta's leading the way because the adults have failed us. And then she said, you know, something like, sorry, Mrs. Lopez. And I was like that's okay. (laughs) Like, what can I possibly say? We are being called to repentance all around us. So. Wouldn't it have been nice if John said, you brood of vipers, sorry, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been so much nicer than just you brood of vipers. Yeah. Well, yeah. mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. See, I, I, I don't know where to go from here because I honestly feel like it's important to talk about these things, but it is infinitely more important to live into them. And I have to say that that's hard, that living into 
repentance, bearing the fruit of repentance is hard. I mean, what I believe is that we are all responsible to one another and that we all belong to each other. I believe that that is what Jesus calls us to recognize, that we are one human family. And that honestly means taking care of each other as if as if we believe that we are one human family. And that is so much harder to do than it is to say. No, I think that's a great point. And it's it's hard and it's also painful. Like when you look at the chaff within yourself that Jesus is going to have the winnowing fork and take out, when you get the winnowing fork inside of you, that hurts. That's not fun. It's painful. And maybe like the the difficulty of this, the pain of this um, could help us to not be moralistic against people who uh, aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like it's so easy for us to be like, listen, climate change is a huge deal and we need to act now as fast as we can. But what do you do with the people who aren't there? What do you do with the climate change deniers? How do you not get into a um, horrible, like rivalry with them where it becomes about defeating them and not about the bigger picture, which is climate change that we need to keep before us. Um, that's Um, always like, that's always like the trick. (laughs) It is, it is. And and there's the temptation to call them the brood of vipers, but you know, John is out there in the wilderness eating bugs and dressing Mm -hmm. in camel's hair. I am not walking that kind of walk, so I can't talk his kind of talk, Mm -hmm. you know? I, I, um, I really, I don't know how to talk to climate change deniers, but I do know that I need to recycle more, you know, and um, I really need to get that in order first. And once that is in order, um, once that is in order, I may try to find ways to speak lovingly in truth. Um, I mean, I'm a writer, so I do speak lovingly in truth, but I can't, I can't just forget the love, you know? I can't just, I can't just rant, I can't just rail. First of all, I think that if we forget the love part of speaking the truth in love, then we've forgotten everything. The whole point is love. The whole point is creating a world in which we can all survive and thrive. And, you know, it can be very easy to get very angry when others don't seem to share either that goal or don't see the point of our means to that goal it can get very frustrating. But if we forget that the whole point is to is to actively love everyone, then we're left with nothing. Um, so that's a warning to mainly myself. I mean, because I need to hear that message more than more than others, I think more than yeah. I need to say it. So awesome. what do you think? I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think we're done.
So all right. thanks for the conversation, Lindsay. Thank you, Adam. And thanks thank, to all of our thank listeners. You, thank you, everybody, for listening. I just need to say this. Thank you for listening because you're a bunch of vipers. Yes. Thanks bunch of vipers. For, thanks your for inner, listening, you brood of vipers. Brood of vipers. Yes. <laughs> Own your viper. Own your inner viper and deal with it. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will do it all again next time as we go over Advent 3. That's yes. joy. I think that's that's joy. Hopefully we'll have a more joyful passage to read from. Mm-hmm. Yes. Although I don't think we will. I think it's John the Baptist again in prison. Mm, yes. How joyful is that? That's joyful. We'll do it all again then. So yeah. uh, thank you everybody for listening. I'm Adam. And I'm Lindsay. And that's all from this episode of Jesus Unmasked. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.